I want you to take your Bibles tonight, if you will, and turn to the book of 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter number 13 in your Bibles. By the way, pray. It's good to see uh, Brother Mike and Miss Sherry down here. They were baptized last Sunday night. Brother Mike goes in for knee replacement tomorrow, and so remember, remember Brother Michael Pendergrass tomorrow. I know he would appreciate that very, very much. And uh, 2 Samuel chapter 13, and I want to just, listen, I want to give you something tonight, and uh, a couple weeks ago, God really, really, really began to burden my heart about the home and began to burden my heart about the family and uh, just stayed in the office and stayed and stayed and stayed. And while I was there, the Holy Spirit was just speaking to my heart and speaking to my heart and just giving me some really, really good direction. And I want to try to share some of that with you tonight. And so this might teach better than it preaches, and that's fine. I, that, that's just perfectly fine with me. Um, but I do know this, well, God's, God's given me something. I want, to give it, I want to share it with you tonight, and I believe it's going to help you this evening. And so 2 Samuel 13, we're going, to read a, we're going to read a difficult story. But the Bible is very transparent, and the Bible's very honest, and it pulls no punches. The Bible doesn't beat around the bush. It just tells it like it is. And this is one of the more difficult stories that we'll read in the Bible, but we're going to look at it tonight. 2 Samuel chapter 13, and when you find your place, if you're able to stand uh, and we're going to read a little bit more than we normally read tonight. We're going to read 22 verses, and I'll read them quickly, and you follow along with us this evening, and then we'll be on our way. And uh, I think last Sunday night I preached about 30 minutes, 30, 35 minutes. That's probably what I'll do tonight. And so just hang in there with me. We, won't, we probably won't be long tonight. 2 Samuel 13, verse 1. And it came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. And Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin. And Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab the son of Shimea, David's brother, and Jonadab was a very subtle man. And he said unto him, Why art thou, being the king's son, lean from day to day? Wilt thou not tell me? And Amnon said unto him, I love Tamar, my brother, Absalom's sister. And Jonadab said unto him, Lay thee down on thy bed, and make thyself sick. And when thy father cometh to see thee, say unto him, I pray thee, let my sister Tamar come, and give me meat, and dress the meat in my sight, that I may see it, and eat it at her hand. So... Amnon lay down, made himself sick, and when the king was come to see him, Amnon said unto the king, I pray thee, let Tamar, my sister, come and make me a couple of cakes in my sight that I may eat at her hand. Then David sent home to Tamar, saying, go now to thy brother Amnon's house and dress some meat. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, and he was laid down, and she took flour and kneaded it and made cakes in his sight and did bake the cakes and she took a pan and poured them out before him, but he refused to eat. And Amnon said, have out all men from me. And they went out every man from him. And Amnon said unto Tamar, bring the meat into the chamber that I may eat of thine hand. And Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them into the chamber to Amnon, her brother. And when she had brought them unto him to eat, he took hold of her and said unto her, come lie with me, my sister. And she answered him, Nay, my brother, do not force me. For no such thing ought to be done in Israel. Do not thou this folly. 
And I whither shall I cause my shame to go? And as for thee, thou shalt be as one of the fools in Israel. Now therefore I pray thee, speak unto the king, for he will not withhold me from thee. Howbeit he would not hearken unto her voice, but being stronger than she, forced her and lay with her. He raped her. Then Amnon hated her exceedingly. Man, isn't that how sin is? Well, I think we could insert the devil's a liar right there. Then Amnon hated her exceedingly so that the hatred wherewith he hated her was greater than the love wherewith he had loved her. And Amnon said unto her, rise, be gone. And she said unto him, there is no cause. This evil in sending me away is greater than the other that that thou didst unto me, but he would not hearken unto her. Then he called his servant that ministered unto him and said, put now this woman out from me and bolt the door after her. And she had a garment of divers' colors upon her for which such robes were the king's daughters that were virgins appareled. Then his servant brought her out and bolted the door after her. And Tamar put ashes on her head and rent her garments of divers' colors that was on her and laid her hand on her head and went on crying. And Absalom, her brother, said unto her, Hath Amnon thy brother been with thee? But hold now thy peace, my sister. He is thy brother. Regard not this thing. So Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. But when David, when King David heard of all these things, he was very wroth. And Absalom spake unto his brother Amnon, neither good nor bad, for Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister Tamar. You may be seated tonight. And of course, we're talking about home sweet home. And specifically this evening, I want to talk to you about this subject, the present state, the present state of the home, the present state of the home. And I got a lot to give to you in 30 minutes, but I believe we can do it, but we're going to have to get with it if we're going to do that. And so uh, let's pray quickly and we'll jump into this Bible study and we're going to show you some things. Some of you've seen some of these things. Some of you, maybe you haven't seen them and I hope that they'll be a help to you tonight. Let's pray. Father, we love you. It's been such a wonderful day and I can't believe we're already at preaching time tonight. And this service will be over in just a few moments and we'll be heading to the house, Lord willing, if the Lord doesn't come. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll, as you've done so many times in all these years, I pray that once again, Lord, you would knit our hearts together and I pray that we would learn something practical, helpful, applicable, relevant, something, God, that we could apply to our lives. And I pray it'll make sense and I pray that Jesus will receive glory from it And God, as we've prayed throughout the day, we pray again that because of this time that we would be better servants for you. And I believe we most certainly will. And so, Lord, help us now, please. Father, we love you. Help me, I pray. I certainly need you tonight. Fill me with your spirit. And God, we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And for his sake and all the Lord's people said, amen. Let me give you a little background here. David is the king of Israel. But David's recovering from a moral failure himself. We read out of 2 Samuel chapter 13, but I'm gonna be honest with you, the wound is still pretty fresh. If you go back just two chapters to 2 Samuel chapter 11, you'll find that David fully understands the embarrassment of sin and hypocrisy. And really, I'm gonna be honest, at, at, by the time we get to 2 Samuel chapter 13, David is still working at regaining some of the respect that he's lost from those that he tries to rule. Uh, 
most of those that he leads know of his sin. They know what he did with Bathsheba. They know what he did with Uriah. And so David is he's still in that building business. He's still trying to build back his own personal reputation. Not only that, but one of the sad things that we notice from 2 Samuel chapter 13 is that David is uh, learning all too well about what we call the law of sowing and reaping. And David is reaping firsthand his own sin in the lives of his own children. If you go back two chapters to 2 Samuel chapter 11, David's fighting with his own lustful demons and, uh, and, and David, uh, David's in a, a, a moral downward spiral and just it's just a, a terrible story, a despicable story, and we won't go into that story tonight. But we, we just, just two chapters later, we find that, boy, uh, the chickens come home to roost, don't they? Cast your bread on the water, you'll find it after many days. And, and, and David is reaping in his own personal life. He's reaping, and in the lives of his children, he's reaping that immorality that, he, that he's already sown. Look if it will again at 2 Samuel 13, verse 1. And it came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, uh, and by the way, the Bible's very clear to point out that both these men are sons of David. The son of David had a fair sister whose name was Tamar, and Amnon, the son of David, loved her. And Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin. And so, uh, boy, Amnon's got some serious issues going on in his life and some serious love issue, uh, lust issues. And, uh, and, and so, as I begin to study this out, and begin to look at the home of David. And we, you know, we love David and we're gonna spend eternity in heaven with David. And, and, and truly, the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. But boy, when you really begin to study David's home, you find out that David's home was in, was in terrible disarray. In fact, I wanna show you a few things. I'm not gonna put it on the screen, but I want you just to go through it with me. Several things I, I noticed that David's home is in desperate need of attention. Uh, for instance, I noticed that David's home was vexed with perverted people. Look, if you look at your scripture tonight, 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse three, the Bible says, and, uh, but Amnon had a friend. Now, Amnon was thinking about doing this terrible thing to his sister, but uh, he thought, no, I, I better not. No, I don't think I can get away with it. No, I, you know what, I, I can't do that. But the Bible says in verse three, but Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very subtle man. And boy, uh, uh, Jonadab comes up with this plan uh, of how Amnon can rape his own sister. And I'm gonna be quite honest with you. There is a very good likelihood that Amnon never would have succumbed to this temptation had there not been a Jonadab, had there not been uh, this, evil, this evil young man in his life. I, I said that to say this, be very, very careful about who you allow to frequent your home. Be real careful about that. Hey, parents, be real careful about the kids that you allow to, to come over, the kids that you allow to spend the night. Uh, you say, Pastor, I don't have any control over that. Yes, you do. That's your home. And you have absolute control of your home. And just because your kids want to have somebody over doesn't mean you ought to have them over. And for that matter, just because your kids want to spend the night somewhere doesn't mean they ought to spend the night somewhere. 
And parents, listen, especially in the day in which we're living, you better be real, real cautious and careful about letting your kids spend the night anywhere other than your house. Because you may think that you know people when you really don't know people. And you may think you know those parents, but you don't know those kids. And you don't know what's in their home. And you don't know what's on their television. And you don't know what's on their devices. And you don't know what they're going to be singing, what they're going to be exposed to. And, uh, and, uh, and, and again, I, I can't get bogged down in this introduction. But, but it is a shame, isn't it, when we are more protective with our pets than we are with our own kids. We'll have a pedigree dog and we'll make sure that we keep that pedigree dog under lock, stock, and barrel and make sure that uh, he does not get out with some little sooner out in the neighborhood somewhere and yet, and yet, we'll allow anybody to come into our home and fellowship with our kids and spend the night with our kids or let our kids go out with with certain people and and listen, uh, you say, well, I know, but preacher, uh, you know, they wanna do that. Listen, that's why God gave them parents because they don't have the wisdom they need to make the right choices. And so until they gain that wisdom, God gave them a mom and a dad, amen? And so we noticed that it was uh, vexed with perverted people. I noticed this home was vexed with prideful people. Look at your scripture again, 2 Samuel 13, verse 11. I'll do this quick. And when she had brought them unto him to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, come lie with me, my sister. I mean, this is about as bad as you can imagine. And she answered him, nay, my brother, do not force me. For no such thing ought to be done in Israel. Do not thou this folly, and I whither shall I cause my shame to go? And as for thee, thou shalt be as one of the fools in Israel. Now therefore I pray thee, speak unto the king, for him not withhold me from thee. Look at verse 14. The Bible says, how be it he, Amnon, he would not hearken unto her, but being stronger than she, forced her and lay with her. And so Amnon was so full of pride that Amnon didn't care for anybody except one person, that was himself. He didn't care, didn't care what anybody thought, didn't care about her feelings, didn't care about his family's feelings, didn't care about his testimony. I mean, he was so full of selfish lust and desires and pridefulness that Amnon did not care who he hurt. But I want, you to, I want you to see something else. Not only perverted people and not only prideful people, but I noticed that David's home was vexed with presumptive people, presumptive people. Now, I want you to really, really hang in there with me on this one. And I want all of our, I want all of our teenagers and I want all of our young men, especially all of our young men. I want you to really give me your undivided attention just for a moment. I want to really talk to our younger men in the room here. Uh, this house was not only filled with presumptive people or, or with uh, perverted people and prideful people, but presumptive people. You say, preacher, they don't mean anything to me. Well, I hope it will mean something to you in just a moment. Look, if you will, at 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 15. The Bible says, then Amnon hated her exceedingly. Now, he's raped his sister. And then the Bible says, after he gets done with this dreadful act, he hates his sister so that the hatred wherewith he hated her was greater than the love wherewith he had loved her. And Amnon said unto her, arise, be gone. And she said unto him, there is no cause This evil in sending me away is greater than the other that thou didst unto me, but he would not hearken unto her. Look at verse 17, interesting. Verse 17, then he called his servant that ministered unto him and said, put now this woman out from me and bolt the door after her presumptive. You know what Amnon presumed? He presumed he'd get away with this. Presumptive. 
I'm the king's son. I'm an important person. I'll get away with this. Nobody's ever gonna know. I'm just gonna kick her to the curb. I'm gonna bolt the door after her and we're just gonna go on with life. And, uh, and Amnon presumed that he was gonna get away with it, but I want you to notice something. I want you to notice that Amnon's sin became public. It became public. Now, look back at your Bibles again. Look at 2 Samuel 13, verse 18. The Bible says, and she, Tamar, had a garment of diverse colors upon her, for with such robes were the king's daughters that were virgins apparel. Then his servants brought her out and bolted the door at her. And so he's thinking, I'm footloose and fancy free, but uh, am not, I got news for you. You're in trouble. Look at verse 19. And Tamar, what did Tamar do? Tamar put ashes on her head and rent her garment of divers colors that was on her and laid her hand on her head and went on crying. By the way, study this story out and you'll find out that Absalom found out about it. You'll find out that David found out about it and then you'll find out that others soon found out about it. Look at the same chapter. Look at 2 Samuel 13, verse 32. Interesting here as well. 2 Samuel 13, verse 32. And Jonadab, the son of Simeon, David's brother, answered and said, let not, let not my Lord suppose that they have slain all the young men, the king's sons, but Amnon only is dead. For by the appointment of Absalom, this has been determined from the day that he forced his sister Tamar. Now my point is this, that this sin became public knowledge. Amnon presumed he was gonna get away with it, and yet it got out. It became public. It became public. Listen to me. Hey, teenagers, listen to me. Young men, listen to your preacher just a minute. Amnon did not get away with his sin. Neither are you. Neither are you. Don't think that you can do these, these horrible things and that you can take advantage of people and you can just do anything you want to do and you can satisfy your, your sinful lust and nobody's ever going to know and nobody's ever going to find out and, and we're just going to go on with life and, uh, and that's exactly what Amnon thought but I'm telling you, his sin came back to haunt him and uh, the Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out and hey, listen, uh, you you ought not sin because you love Jesus. That's the best reason not to sin. But if you don't sin for any other reason, you better sin for, not, not sin for this reason. I'm telling you, it will become public. Amen. And so because of that, boy, you better guard your testimony. His home was, was vexed with perverted people. His home was vexed with prideful people. His home was vexed with, with presumptive people. And I noticed this, his home was vexed with peevish people, peevish people. Look at 2 Samuel 13, verse 22. And Absalom spake unto his brother Amnon, neither good nor bad. For Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister Tamar. Now, again, I'm going somewhere. And I know this is introduction. And we'll be fast with the message. But I want you to notice, David's in a mess. David's home's in a mess. I mean, this is a, listen, this is a train wreck. David's home is, in, 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 is plagued with hard feelings. It's plagued with immorality. It's plagued with bitterness. It's plagued with anger. And uh, you know what I believe? I believe that David's home is really symbolic of the modern day home. Uh, that's what we're seeing today. In fact, I, I, I put this down in my outline. 
You know what I believe? I believe in God's original plan. I believe that God wanted the home to be a little piece of heaven. Amen. I believe God wanted the home to be a little piece of heaven. Now, you say, Pastor, what do you mean? Listen, in heaven, there's going to be peace. In heaven, there's going to be joy. In heaven, there's going to be fulfillment. In heaven, there's going to be happiness. In heaven, there's going to be contentment. But the truth of the matter is, the average home in America is more like hell than it is like heaven. What's going on in hell? Screaming, hollering, crying, division, selfishness. And so the average home is a lot more like hell than it is like heaven. Now, why was David's home in such a sad, sad present state? I want to give you four things quickly tonight, four defining lessons that we learn from this passage. I promise you I'll do it fast, but I want you to really, I want you to hear me out tonight. Four defining lessons we learn from this passage, and and I want you to really pay attention to the wording tonight. Number one, there was a high priority placed upon personal belongings. A high priority placed upon personal belongings. All right, we're gonna do a little study tonight, okay? Y'all ready? Take your Bibles and turn back one page. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 12. And so what's going on in 2 Samuel 13? Why all this hard feelings and anger and immorality? And why, why is things falling apart? Well, let's go back and let's see. Let's see what we learn here. And so 2 Samuel chapter 12 and look at verse number 29. The Bible says, and David gathered all the people together and went to Reba and fought against it and took it, verse 30, and he took their, uh, their king's crown from off his head. The weight whereof was a talent of gold with the precious stones, and it was set on David's head, and he brought forth the, forth the spoil of the city in great abundance. Look at verse 31, though. The Bible says, and he brought forth the people that were therein and put them under saws and under harrows of iron and under axes of iron. Look at this next line. And made them pass through the Brooklyn. And thus did he unto all the cities of the children of Ammon. So David and all the people returned unto Jerusalem. You know what happened in Israel? Israel got consumed about stuff. Stuff. I mean, personal belongings had become, man, what they were living for. In fact, did you see what it said there? The Bible says that he put them under saws, he put them under hairs of iron, he put them under axes of iron, and he made them pass through the brickland. You know what that is? Did you know the same exact thing is going on under David that was going on under David's ancestors? Remember when God freed the Israelites from Egypt? Do you remember where they were working? They were working in the brickyards. They were working in the brickland. Uh, Pharaoh was making them produce bricks to build his, his temples and his, uh, his, uh, all these, these places. And now we find that David is doing the exact same thing. David has become his own little Pharaoh of sorts. Uh, David's eyes are fixed on stuff. Life became about stuff. Proverbs 23, 5 says it like this. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Hebrews 13, 5, let your conversation be without covetousness and be, with, be, with, uh, be content with such things as ye have. For you said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now, church, that's all I'm saying. I'm going to the next point. Don't ever get to the place where belongings become the driving force in your life. 
Never works out good for the family. Never works out good for the home. Where that consumes you. I mean, stuff. I mean, we live, in a, we live in a culture now where, you know, he who dies with the most toys wins. And boy, how many know this? The older you get, the more expensive the toys get. I mean, they get real expensive. And we feel like we got to keep up with the Joneses. And we feel like we got to keep up with the Wilsons. And we feel like we got to keep up with all those folks in the neighborhood. And, and we're constantly buying things. And, and it's all about stuff. And it's all about a bigger house. And it's all about a bigger swimming pool. And it's all about a bigger boat. And it's all about a nicer car. And before we know it, listen, man, we're so, we're so head over heels in debt. We can't even live. Hey, 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 church, I, I want to say this tonight. Don't allow a job to take you away from the will of God. Amen. Listen, if you've got a job and it is pulling you away from God's will, hang the job, go work somewhere else. And make sure that you follow the will of God for your life. Matthew 6, 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon, what is that, preacher? Money, money. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. Now again, wait a minute now. Man, I'm just looking through David's life and oh my word, I'm seeing so much heartache and trouble, and immorality, and anger, and bitterness. And I'm thinking, Lord, what, what's going on? And so I'm just studying this out. And so one of the first things I see is that there was a high priority placed upon personal belongings. Stay with me. Number two, I noticed this. I noticed there was a low priority placed upon parental presence. A low priority. What do you mean, preacher? You know what I really believe? I really believe David missed being present in the lives of his kids. Now, you say, what do you mean? Well, number one, the reason for that is because David didn't do it the way God wanted him to do it. And you say, preacher, are you knocking David? I'm not knocking David. I, David was a great man. Don't get me wrong. But the Bible's very honest. And the Bible, the Bible just sort of picks off the roof and lets us look down into people's lives. And, and, uh, and, and David's got problems because David decided to do it like the kings do it and not like God said do it. And so when you were a king in Israel, you know what you did? You married wives. And so David began to marry wives and he had many wives and he had concubines and, and David ends up having at least, at least 21 children through all these different women and concubines. And I really believe that, that David was absent in his kids' lives. Let me show you a couple of verses. Look at 2 Samuel 13 again. Look at verse seven. I, as I was reading, I just noticed this. 2 Samuel 13, verse seven. When all this is going on, all this trouble's going on, look what the Bible says, 2 Samuel 13, verse seven. And David, and David sent home to Tamar saying, go down to thy brother Amnon's house and dress him meat. You know what? He didn't go to Tamar. He just sent to Tamar. He sent word to Tamar. So I just, you know what? In my, in my mind's eye, I can see David summonsing uh, one of his servants 
and he says, uh, go to Tamar's house and, and tell her to do this thing. Uh, David didn't go. David didn't have anything to do with Tamar, but uh, he sent somebody in his stead. I notice 2 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 21. The Bible says, and when King David heard of all these things. Now, he didn't know about it. He didn't experience firsthand, but he heard about all these things. And I believe the reason that David heard about all these things is because David wasn't there. David wasn't there with his kids. But I want you to especially look at, at uh, chapter 13 and verse 24. Verse 24. This is really, really interesting. 2 Samuel 13, verse 24. The Bible says, And Absalom uh, came to the king and said, Behold, now thy servant has sheep shearers. Let the king, I beseech thee, and his servants go with thy servant. In other words, Dad, go with us. Uh, go with me. Uh, we're going to go on this little outing, and uh, I want you to go with me. Verse 25. And the king said to Absalom, Nay, my son, let us not all now go, lest we be chargeable unto thee. Look at this next line. The Bible says, and he, that's Absalom, and he pressed him. Come on, dad, go, go with me. And he pressed him, howbeit he, David, would not go, but blessed him. Uh, and now again, you know what I see here? I see an absence. I see a low priority when it comes to being present with your kids. Parents, if you're planning on having children, plan on being present in their life. And by the way, you wanna know why we're having so much trouble in America right now? You wanna know what's behind all the looting? You wanna want, want to know what's behind all the crime? You wanna know why our, prison, our prisons are full to capacity? I'll tell you exactly why, because Parents are having kids and they don't plan on being present in the lives of those kids. Oh, listen to me. If you're gonna have children, you be there for your children. 46% of fathers say they do not spend enough time with their children. And dads, listen, here's the thing. You don't have to do something extravagant with them. Man, just go out and shoot a slingshot with them or pitch ball with them, or just go wrestle. Man, go wrestle with them. Go roll in the dirt with them. They love that. Boys love that. Now, not girls, amen. Uh, girls were not made from dirt. We learned that at the ladies' meeting the other night. And, uh, but, but you know what? Just do something with them, man. Just be present, be present in their lives. One of my absolute favorite prophets in the Old Testament is Samuel. I believe that Samuel was, without a doubt, I believe Samuel was one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. And yet our Bible's very clear to tell us in 1 Samuel chapter eight that Samuel's sons turned out to be worthless. Now, why is that? How could such a great man of God have worthless sons? And someone said more than likely it's because Samuel was so involved in the prophetic ministry. Man, he was traveling, preaching, prophesying, then he never took the time to pour into his boys. He was absent in their life. Am I preaching to anybody tonight? Just good preaching, good teaching, whatever it is. I don't know. But, uh, but man, whatever you do, hey, get this. There was a low priority place upon parental presence. Many, many years ago, down here in the old building, uh, Paul Fields, Brother Paul Fields, they were serving in Uruguay. I think that's right, Uruguay. And Brother Paul Fields and his wife and his kids came on a Sunday morning. And uh, man, we just had a little handful of people down there at the time. And Brother Fields was such a blessing. 
And they came in that day, and I remember they did some, it, it was like a, it, we had missions emphasis before we knew what missions emphasis was. And, and, uh, but they took some time in the service, and they educated us on Uruguay. And I remember them uh, serving some kind of tea that they drink in, in Uruguay. And, uh, but I remember his whole family got involved, and you could tell that he and his wife and his daughters, man, they were so close. You could tell their fan, and, and his kids just loved the Lord and loved the ministry, and it wasn't an obligation to them. And you could tell that they were just enjoying, you know, dad had given them some, some instructions in the service, and they were just carrying them out to the tea, and they just loved it. And you could sense that. And I remember we ended the service, we ended the service that day, and I, I remember pretty much everybody left, and I was walking Brother Fields out to the parking lot to his car, and I said, Brother Fields, and he'd been on the mission field for many years. I said, man, your your family's so close. And I said, your girls, man, your girls just have the joy of the Lord. I said, you could just tell they just love the ministry and love God and love you and your wife. And I said, man, y'all have such a close family. I said, man, give me some advice. What'd you do to have such a close family? I'll never never forget what he said. Two things. He said, Brother Pope, he said, number one, he said, we got our kids involved early in the ministry. He said, when they were just young, he said, man, we started getting them plugged into the work of the Lord. And then he said this, and this is the one that caught me off guard a little bit. He said, preacher, he said, we camped a lot. We went camping a lot. And and I didn't understand that at the time. I understand it better now. Well, when you camp, you're close, amen. Whether you want to be close or not, you know, if you camp in a tent, you're really close, yeah, amen. Sometimes a little closer than you want to be. Uh, but when he said, preacher, we camped a lot. You know what he was saying? Man, we spent time together. I was present in the life of my kids. That's what he's saying. I was present in the life of my kids. Man, I wasn't so involved in other things and making money and, and buying toys and, and buying cars and buying homes. And I wasn't even so involved in the ministry that I, that I sacrificed my family. No, he said, we had some kids. And he said, we were present in the life of our children. We took time to spend time with our kids. Listen to me, church. I'm telling you, I believe we're on to something here tonight. There's a reason that David had dysfunction in his home. There's a reason he had bitterness and anger and trouble and problems in his home. I believe it's this because there was a low priority placed upon parental presence. And so again, I want to say this. There was a high priority placed upon personal belongings. There was a low priority placed upon parental presence. Quickly, look at this. Man, I just thought this was neat. Number three, there was no priority placed upon corporate punishment. Now, take your Bibles and look at 2 Samuel chapter 13. Look at verse 20. 2 Samuel 13, verse number 20. The Bible says, And Absalom, her brother, said unto her, Hath Amnon thy brother been with thee? Has he raped you? That's what he's saying. Did he rape you? He says to her, he's trying to encourage her, and he says, but hold now thy peace, my sister. He is thy brother. Regard not this thing. Listen, don't worry about this. Don't let this bother you. Uh, listen, life goes on. You, you, you're gonna be okay. Uh, and the Bible says, so Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. But I'm, I'm, I'm especially interested in verse number 21. And the Bible says, but when David, when, when King David heard of all these things, he was very wroth. And I read that, 
Every time I read that, I'm thinking, and, and what else? And when David hears that his, his daughter, his little girl, has been raped by her own brother, the Bible says when David heard it, he was upset. Come on, David. <laughs> That's what I want to say. Uh, come on, give me something here. Is that it? I mean, that's all. Well, I'm really upset. <laughs> your, your, your little girl has just been raped by somebody and you're just upset? Am I identifying with anybody here tonight? As far as we can tell, we read this story. As far as we can tell, David did absolutely nothing. He did absolutely nothing. He did not rebuke Amnon. He didn't call him to the palace and, and bless him out. He didn't take away his privileges. He didn't take away his stallion. He didn't take away his chariot. He didn't take away his house. You know what he should have done to that old boy? He should have brought him to the house and slapped him in irons. Amen. He should have brought him in and said, hey, you may have a little age on you, but you better get ready because you're going to get the whooping of your life. I'm about to tan your hide so bad the fire alarm's liable to go off. I'm telling you, amen. But yet David had terrible dysfunction because there was no priority placed upon corporate worship. By the way, church, you say, wow, preacher, man, i never seen that. I wonder why, you know, did you know it's hard to correct people for sins when you're guilty yourself? How's David going to call Amnon in and rebuke him when Amnon's going to turn around and say, don't you say anything to me. You're guilty of the exact same thing. I got to believe that's why he didn't. Because just two chapters before this, David's having his own fling. And David's making a mess of his own life. And now he's reaping it in the lives of his kids and now David can't say anything. Hey, parents, that's why you and I must set a higher standard as parents, as leaders. Again, I'm not teaching on this tonight, but parents, I wanna tell you something. Your kids are gonna set their high standard at your low standard. You better keep that in mind. Your kids are gonna set their high standard at your low are y'all hearing me? And so if, you're, if your low standard's way down there, that's gonna be where your kid's high standard is. And so you know what that means? Their low standard's gonna be way down. You say, well, preacher, I, you know, I, I don't like being accountable. Too late. If you're a parent, it's too late. You're already accountable. God's given you kids. They're a heritage from the Lord. And so that means, listen, we don't have a choice. We've got to set an example. We've got to have a good testimony. We've got to make sure that, that we live a good Christian testimony in front of them. And so there was a high priority placed upon personal belongings. There was a low priority placed upon parental presence. There was no priority placed upon corporate, work, uh, corporate punishment. I'm done. But look at this, church. Again, this is just, man, I'm looking at this. Sometimes I look at this stuff and I'm thinking, man, where's this come from? I'm not smart enough to put this kind of stuff together. Are y'all with me? Look at this, look at this last thing. 
there was some priority placed upon public worship. Now, we're done. But look in your Bible, 2 Samuel chapter 6, 2 Samuel chapter 6, and look at verse number 12 with me. 2 Samuel 6, verse number 12. Listen, if you haven't heard any other point, hear this point right here. We're gonna be, we're gonna be having our prayer. We're gonna let you go. There was high priority placed upon personal belongings, low priority placed upon parental presence, no priority placed upon corporate worship, but there was some priority placed upon public worship. 2 Samuel 6, verse 12. And it was told King David, saying, the Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. Look at verse 13. The Bible says, and it was so that, that when, they bear, when they that bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he, David, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings, and David danced before the Lord. Now, that wasn't the, the dish rag twist and the skunk skedaddle, all right? That was, a uh, listen, a holy dance before the Lord. And David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was girded with a linen ephod, now, you know what the Bible's telling us there? That David was involved in worship. That's what our Bible's telling us there. That David was involved in worship, all right? 2 Samuel chapter 12. 2 Samuel chapter 12. Look at verse number 20. Now, this is right after David's fall. And Nathan has come in and, and exposed David's sin before him. And 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse number 20. The Bible says, then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel. Look at the next line. The Bible says, and came into the house of the Lord and what did he do? And worshiped and worshiped. Now, again, you know what we find here? We do find David involving himself in worship, at least some, in 2 Samuel. But church, and I want you to study this out, and I hope you'll prove me wrong on this, but the best I can tell, David never included his family in worship. Now, we find a couple times where he was sort of involved in worship. So they're bringing the ark. They're bringing the ark of the covenant back into Jerusalem. The Bible says tons of people are with him. They're playing instruments. They're praising the Lord. They come back into, into Jerusalem, and boy, they're just, I mean, they're just having a time, a glory time. And yet we find here that Michael, his wife, she's not with him. She's in the house. She's looking out of the window. And she sees him dancing, and, and she's embarrassed by his actions. And so Michael's not with him. We find David occasionally worshiping in the house of the Lord. But I notice here that his kids don't seem to be present either. And I just wrote this down. I think there is a dangerous precedent when we offer some priority to the Lord. I mean, God is somewhat of a priority. But so is football. And God is a priority. But so are my hobbies. And God is a priority, but so is my career. And God is a priority, but so is my money. And God is a priority, but so is my fun. 
And God is a priority, but so is my friends. Now, hear me out, parents. If God is but one of our priorities among many priorities, don't be surprised when your children make something else a higher priority than the Lord. So say to your kids, well, the Lord's important. It's just that everything else is important too, okay? Don't be surprised down the road when drugs are more of a priority than the Lord is. Don't be surprised down the road when, you know, when church was sort of a priority to you later down the road, you know, man, I don't understand why my kids don't go to church any more than they go to church. I can tell you exactly why. Because when we just make the Lord somewhat of a priority, well, later on, our kids are going to reap. They're going to reap the fruit of that. Now, I've got some scriptures, but I'm going to skip these tonight, and I'm done. But I want to end with this statement. Building a strong home means having the right, the right priorities, the right priorities. I was thinking about that, and I was reading this week, studying this week, and I heard about a lady and she was at a casino, and she was getting ready to go in the casino and gamble. And she had her money with her. And as she was getting ready to go in the casino, there was a, a, a gentleman. <laughs> I use that term very loosely. There was a gentleman that met her outside the casino, and he said, ma'am, ma'am, before you go in, he said, is there any way, he said, is there any way you could let me borrow some money? He said, my wife is sick, and he said, she's got a procedure coming up, and, and he said, we, we, we need the money to pay for this procedure. She's really, really bad sick, and he said, is there any way that you could give me $500, any way that you, you could just give me a little bit of money to try to help with her procedure? And, and the lady, you know, she, she was, you know, uh, trying to think sort of sympathetically, and uh, uh, and, and she was about to reach in her purse and take out some money, but she stopped and she said, well, now, sir, she said, what guarantee do I have if I, if I take this $500 and I put it in your hand? What guarantee do I have that you're not gonna go in here and take that $500 and gamble with it in the casino? And he said, oh, no, 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 no. He said, you don't understand. He said, I already have gambling money. I just need some money to help my wife. I hate to end with something comical. So a man's, he's at the Super Bowl. And uh, there's, a, there's a diehard fan right behind him. And he noticed, he looks up here and he knows this guy's got an empty seat beside him. And man, the game's just getting on. They're having a time. And, and finally, they got a little break, you know, and he says to the gentleman up ahead of him, he says, man, he said, I cannot believe that you have an empty seat right here beside you. And uh, I mean, man, it's hard to get tickets for the Super Bowl. And he said, I can't believe you got an empty seat. And the guy said, yeah. He said, uh, this seat belonged to my wife. He said, but she passed. And the guy said, oh, my word. I am so sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to offend you. I'm sorry about that. I apologize. And I'm sorry. And he said, but I will tell you this. And I can't believe one of your relatives or friends or somebody didn't, you know, try to come and, and uh, you know, take her spot. And he said, yeah, they would have. But he said, they're all at the funeral. <laughs> Let's sing just as I am right now, all right? 
priority. Priority. Oh, man. You know what? We can have wonderful, strong homes if we just get our priorities right. Listen to this statement. We're done. Listen to this. William Barclay said it like this. Get this. Listen to this. It is not the things which are obviously, obviously bad which are dangerous. It's the things which are good which are dangerous. For the second best is always the worst enemy of the best. Now, you'll have to watch the program get that, get, to get that tomorrow. But church, you know what that basically means? We got to give God our full priority. Man, he gets it all. Amen. He gets it all. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, we love you. And thank you for this time we've had together tonight, for the opportunity to teach a little bit. And Lord, we, we want to have strong homes at Calvary Baptist Church. Oh, God, I pray that you'd help us to have our priorities right. Lord, I believe that David was a good man. I believe that David was a man after God's own heart, at least at one point in his life. But Lord, David's home is a shambles. Lord, if you go back and study those 21 kids, oh my. Lord, out of those 21 children, not many of them did much. Lord, many of them ruined their lives and they fought and fussed and killed one another and fought for the kingdom. Oh, what a sad, sad story David's family was. Lord, maybe because priorities weren't right. Lord, I pray tonight that you'd help us to have the right kind of priorities in our home. And God, I pray that we will not give you some priority. God, I pray that we'll give you the highest priority. Lord, above belongings, above wealth, above bank accounts, above friends, uh, Lord, above associations. God, I pray that we will give you the highest priority in our lives. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Why don't we stand tonight all over the house? And here's the invitation. If you're here tonight and God has spoke to your heart, why don't you just, in just a moment, why don't you just tiptoe down to this altar and do business with the Lord? Maybe tonight some families ought to come, some husbands and wives ought to come and just find a place, just come down and just dedicate your home to the Lord. Maybe somebody needs to come tonight and just say, Lord, would you put a hedge around us? Protect us, oh God, protect our kids. Protect my kids, protect our marriage. Lord, maybe somebody ought to come tonight and just pray this prayer. Lord, help me to be the parent that you want me to be. Oh Lord, I need some help. I need some help. Some of you have teenagers. Mercy, some of you have teenagers. Man, boy, you need to fast and pray. Man, oh man. You know what, it doesn't get easier, does it? It gets harder, it gets harder. And then some of you have adult children and you're so burdened about them. And you thought when they finally got grown, you finally thought, man, those days of worry were done. And now those kids are all grown up. They're living away from home. And some of them are living away from the will of God. And now you find yourself more worried than you've ever been. My goodness. And maybe tonight you just need to come and just pray for those kids. Oh, God. Get them back in the will of God. Lord, wake them up. Lord, wake them up. 
Bring them back to yourself. While we pause just for a few moments tonight, if you need to come, the altars are open. Father, help us. Help us to have the right priorities. And God, I pray that you would help me and help my wife and help our kids and help our people. Lord, that Jesus, that Jesus would never have second place. God, that he would never be that second, that second priority in our life, our home. Father, tonight we dedicate our home to you. Oh God, our kids are grown. Our kids are grown. They're all gone now. And now, Lord, we have eight grandchildren. And Father, we pray tonight you'd get a hold of their hearts. Help them to know how much you love them. And God, I pray that every one of them will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that until the trumpet sounds, they'll have grandparents that are faithful to the calling of the Lord. Lord, grandparents, that will teach them about the love of the Lord. God, bless each of these families that are in the altars tonight. Every home that's represented in this room. God, I pray that you'd bless our homes and strengthen our homes and heal our homes. And Lord, help us to be what you want us to be. God, do it. Honor that prayer, please, please. And we thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed just for a moment. If you need to come, altars are open.